the American Express Shaping Insights podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Shaping Insights podcast presented by American Express, where we bring you expert perspectives on the latest trends in the luxury and travel industries. I'm futurist Lucy Green, and I'll be your host for this episode. Today's podcast centers around all things travel, and we have three brilliant travel experts to share their insights on where the future of the travel industry lies. I'm thrilled to welcome to the Shaping Insights podcast, the New York Times travel writer, Amy Tara Koch, Arnie Weissman, editor-in-chief of Travel Weekly, and travel blogger, Julie Falconer, aka a lady in London, who will be sharing the expert opinions on the most interesting developments and trends in the travel world. Thank you all for joining us. Welcome. So I'm going to start with a question to all of you, since we're now living in this sort of decentralised, nomadic pandemic landscape. How and where are you in the world at the moment? Maybe let's start with Arnie on that one. Sure. Um, I returned to New York yesterday from Austin, Texas. I'm repacking my bag for a trip to Lake Tahoe tomorrow. Fantastic. Julie, where are you? Well, I'm normally based in London, as the uh, blog name A Lady in London suggests, but at the moment I'm actually right in San Francisco, back where I am from. Fantastic. And Amy? I am in Chicago. A few days ago I was in New York, and I was in D.C., and I'm going to Miami in a couple days. Very nice. So let's start with a very big subject, travel in the post-pandemic era. How do you feel things have changed since we've been able to travel more freely again? Maybe let's start with Amy. You've been following this closely, I imagine. Yes. Well, people are ecstatic to get out of their zone. They want to interact with the world and have new experiences. Looking at the stats, I've just done quite a few stories just at Hopper, Expedia and other resources. Flight bookings have exploded domestically and internationally. When people first began limping back into travel mid-pandemic, there were loads of testing requirements, so it was a challenge, and you really had to want to travel to deal with all the hassle. Everyone's nodding with all of the testing requirements. At that point, people were staying away from cities and very much into wide-open spaces and places that lacked density. Now that the need for this extreme social distancing is kind of over, people really want to go back to cities. So I've just written about London, Miami, New York, and Paris, where dynamism, in my opinion, has returned full throttle. I think people are more adventurous now. They feel a renewed lease on life, and they just really want to interact with new places, new people, and see their friends and family. So everything is back. Fantastic. Arnie, do you have a perspective on this from the point of view of your readers and just personally? Yeah, a lot of what Amy said is absolutely, we're seeing the exact same thing. Travel is exploding. I think this is going to be a very atypical year in a number of ways. I think that this will normalize to some extent. There are some very specific trends for 2022 that we're seeing. Interesting, a couple of sectors that had been in trouble have been revived and given a second life. The 20. 21, 2022 ski season was the best in more than a decade. And similarly, golf has been thrown a lifeline by the pandemic. You're seeing a huge uptick in weddings because people couldn't do the wedding last year and during the pandemic. So there's a lot of destination wedding that's going on. So it's a transition year in many ways, and these things will work their way out. 
And everyone, I think, is aware of that. I spoke to a hotelier a few weeks ago who compared what we're going through now with a sugar high. That makes a lot of sense. Julie, you have quite an interesting perspective because you have this sort of transatlantic perspective on this. What's your What's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I would agree with what's already been said. And I would also add that, you know, just looking at the stats that I have and the data that I have for my blog, I've seen a huge increase in traffic uh, since the beginning of the year, which means people are more interested in travel. They're more motivated to start booking. I've seen a lot of people booking more hotels through my blog, which is something that's great because that hasn't been something that's been happening as much over the last couple of years. And I've also seen people booking more varied destinations, places farther afield, places that are maybe more off the beaten path. And I think people are just not only desperate to travel, but also just desperate to go somewhere maybe unique or different or take that once in a lifetime trip that they've been holding off on. And that now that they've not been able to travel for so long, they're saying, okay, I'm not going to keep waiting anymore. I'm going to really do this. And that's been great. I'm really curious, what trends and innovations have you been excited by in the post-pandemic world? What are you excited about that's been emerging? I've been excited about the fact that people are willing to take bigger trips since they haven't traveled much for two years. A lot of people have saved a lot of money during lockdown because they haven't been able to spend much. So people are going farther away. They're staying longer. They're spending more. They're being more adventurous in terms of destinations. I'm hoping it also means people will broaden their horizons more, take those once-in-a-lifetime trips or those special celebratory trips, and then as a result of those trips, be inspired to travel even more. I'm also being excited about seeing people wanting to support small local businesses that were hit hard by the pandemic, whether that's staying at a family-owned hotel or participating in volunteerism activities. I think those have been positive trends. And then in terms of innovations, I've been excited to see uh, things like apps that airlines have launched to allow passengers to upload their documents to be checked prior to arriving at the airport. And I hope that even after the pandemic ends, we're still able to do things like get our passports pre-checked so we can go straight through security if we're not checking a bag because that can save huge amounts of time at the airport. Oh, sure. Um, Amy, what are you seeing in this regard? I think one of the biggest trends is the hunt for new experiences, especially in the realm of culinary. I just did a story for Travel and Leisure about how the pandemic inspired home cooks like me to step up their skills. And it's manifested in travel in a quest for really advanced cookery know-how. So the story is about all these workshops that require you to get down and dirty with ingredients. I covered foraging trips, deep dive whiskey in Scotland with a great company called Out of the Ordinary, butchery camp in England, sausage making in Asheville, and canning in Vermont with a team of female farmers that called themselves farmers. And additionally, I'm also seeing that the show Yellowstone inspired a huge trend of ranch travel. I'm just so many people asking me about ranches and dude ranches. And I found a ton of kind of under the radar places. I like Sylvandale Guest Ranch in Colorado, Flathead Lake Lodge in Big Fork, Montana. And these places have like cowgirl roundups and fly fishing and horseback riding. And a great resource for that is the Dude Ranch Association, because I'm always looking for the lesser known places. And the third thing would just be really active travel. People just want to move again. So biking and hiking and even surfing. A company that I really like is called Escape to Shape that I wrote about a few years ago. It's mostly women, but they go to Morocco and half the day is cultural and half the day is working out. And Dolomite Mountains does great hiking in the Dolomite. So I just think those are the three trends I'm seeing. 
I guess, great for the pandemic weight gain that we've all heard about. Oh, yes. Um, Arnie, you're smiling. What are, what are you seeing? Well, personally, I'm, I'm just very excited about developments in space and near space travel. I think the uh, timing of the recent launches is somewhat coincidental. They're not linked to the pandemic. But there's a lot more going on than even the launches by Virgin Galactic and Blue Horizon and SpaceX. And I'm particularly intrigued by Space Perspective and Worldview. And these are two companies that will be offering trips in high-altitude balloons to what is technically called near space. But it's high enough so that you're in the blackness of space. You can clearly see the curvature of the Earth. I'm told. It's a luxury experience with champagne and big viewing windows and a pressurized pod. And what's really nice about these options to me is that besides just costing a fraction of the rockets, is that you rise at about 12 miles an hour. So it's like taking an elevator into space. And then the other thing that has been really good to see, nice to see, is that the number of hotels that took advantage of the pause and travel to accelerate planned renovations. I've toured quite a few properties, and some of what's coming online is is really magnificent. Actually, Amy was with me. We, we toured Claridge's redo in London, and it's literally top to bottom. They have a new downstairs kitchen uh, with a chef's table. They have an extraordinary lot line to lot line penthouse that isn't quite finished, but it's just going to be extraordinary. Exactly. I've seen a lot of hotels have embarked on massive improvements that they might not have otherwise. So sort of a positive from the pandemic. Let's talk about business travel, which is starting to return. Conferences are returning. What does business travel look like right now? And does it feel like there's still a value in those physical connections in terms of building relationships? Or will companies be demanding something new from business travel? What's that outlook? Maybe Julie? I think there's still a huge amount of value in physical connections and building relationships in person. I've seen this myself. I've attended several conferences to speak at over the last six months to a year. And not only are people just so excited to be back in person, but I've seen a lot more business come out of that than just sort of doing Zoom calls and trying to do emails or even the online conferences. You just have that face-to-face, in-person connection that is irreplaceable, in my opinion. But I do think that people are... Just as leisure travelers are excited, I think business travelers are looking forward to making those connections again, whether those are salespeople wanting to close those deals, whether those are just people trying to keep in touch with their clients or the the companies they're doing business with. And I do think there's just so much value in it and people are ready to be back into that. Ani, it sounds like you are covering this from the point of view of your publication, but also doing a lot of personal business travel. What's your perspective on this? Yeah, I mean, business travel will return not for a couple of years and not necessarily all business travel. For instance, you know, a CFO might look at how much money was saved when travel was not an option and say video conferencing is a justifiable cost saving. I think that'll last until the first sale is lost to a competitor that showed up in person. There's a lot of value in person to person, but still some internal meetings that might have been in real life in the past will default to Zoom may even be sort of a blend, a board of directors meeting so that used to happen quarterly. Maybe they'll do three meetings over Zoom, one in person. But what had really taken a huge hit, and I think has got a great future, are conferences. You know, because there's always someone who you couldn't even hope to get a Zoom appointment with. You see them in the hall, you can speak to them in person. And I know a lot of great business opportunities arise when you just randomly sit next to someone you didn't know at a meal function. 
So this, I'm very confident the meetings and conventions will come back strong. Small meetings are, you know, perhaps going to come back most slowly, but sales meetings are definitely, salespeople are already back on the road. Fantastic. When you're thinking about the guest experience of traveling and the expectations, how do you think in a post-pandemic life that that has changed? Like, Are there different things that are stimulating travelers and that they're looking for from the experience? Maybe let's go to Amy for that. Well, from where I sit, I think people are just so happy to get away and be in a new environment and that the interaction with the new setting in and of itself is satisfying. But they really want lodging with a sense of place, not a soulless big box with zero charm that could be anywhere. For example, in London, an iconic hotel like Brown's feels quintessentially British in decor as well as the management. It's small and intimate. There's architectural details and little stories behind every nook and cranny. Another place I love that embodies this is in Paris, mansion hotels. I was just writing about this for Architectural Digest. I love Maison Villeroy, which is a 19th century aristocratic mansion that's now an 11-room, five-star hotel. And you just feel there's no mistaking that you're in Paris. I mean, this is the kind of place where you feel more of a guest than a paying patron. So I guess what I'm saying is that every detail counts and that people just, they really want to feel that they're in the place that they're traveling to and that the expectation is that they're going to have good hospitality and wonderful attention paid to them. Julie, what's your experience on this front? I think guests are really looking for experiences that are safe, that are clean. Expectations for things like hygiene and sanitation have really been raised. People aren't really willing to maybe go for something a little bit cheaper that might be uh, slightly less clean just because they'll save a bit of money. I think people are really focused now on things that are going to uh, keep them healthy. And I've seen that myself. I've been traveling a lot for work in the last year to hotels all over the world. And I've really seen hotels also stepping up the bar with signs in the room saying we've just sanitized this or with letters when you enter the room, a letter on the table saying, you know, we clean this regularly. Here's the extra procedures we're going through for sanitation and safety and hygiene. Just making people feel that little bit more comfortable, that little bit safer as people are going back into travel post-pandemic and just, you know, obviously still a little bit worried because we do still have COVID-19 around um, and it is still infecting people. And so I think that's one thing that I've seen in terms of guest expectations changing. Arnie, what's your sense of this from your area of expertise? The flip side of the great resignation, which has you know, caused all these staffing issues right now, is that through the pandemic, there's been a profound sense that life is short. And one has to seize the moment. And I think that more than anything is driving consumers to stop putting off that trip of a lifetime, you know, to go to Antarctica on a safari, go to space. Uh, so it's part of a trend that existed before the pandemic and has accelerated during the pandemic that moves away from materialism and towards experience. Yeah, I can definitely vouch for that. I have various friends who've sort of redesigned their life and done what I would call like normalized nomadism, sort of going away for six weeks at a time. So I'm just going to change gear for a second, looking at the idea of sustainable travel, which of course, before the pandemic was starting to become a, a rising trend, this idea of slow travel. What are you seeing in terms of initiatives and conversations around sustainable travel? And, and what have you seen in the industry that has been visionary or forward thinking in this respect? Maybe Julie. 
One thing that I've seen in the last year, I did a partnership where I was traveling in Ireland with the European Travel Commission and their Slow Adventure Travel Initiative. And that's an initiative where they've partnered with a number of destinations in Europe where it's focused on things like local food and ingredients, responsible travel, being in tune with nature. And the trip that I did through Ireland focused on things like getting around by bike instead of taking a car or doing stand-up paddle boarding and really immersing yourself in the kind of natural elements of a place. And I I think that that was a really nice sustainable travel initiative and something kind of different and refreshing. Amy, what about you? This is such an important topic. I mean, uh, the two things that I see banning single-use plastics and using local ingredients versus importing them and having a garden to grow your produce some hotels that are doing really interesting things. Heckfield Place in England, which I've just written about, has its own dairy operation, its own farm. They've got a biomass broilers to burn pellets, and they're just having sustainable heating. There's so many doing wonderful things, but something that the New York Times wrote about recently is if you really care about sustainability, you need to do your research because every hotel claims that they have initiatives. There's a nonprofit called the Global Sustainable Tourism Council, which establishes standards through a third-party certification, and you can look that up. And there's also an organization called Tourism Declares Initiative that has declarations to cut carbon emissions. So I think you just really need to do your research and make sure that the company, you know, where you're going, whether it's a tour operator or a hotel, is really doing what they say that they're doing on their website. So wellness, of course, is this other huge motivator for travel and focus of travel. It seems to be such a buzzword across many different industries. But what initiatives in the industry have you seen which are truly innovative and exciting in that respect? Maybe Amy could talk to this. Sure. I love wellness. Um, after the past two years, I mean, well-being, the form of relaxation or searching for a deeper meaning in life is a priority across the board. About 10 years ago, you'd have to go to a multi-day retreat like a Miraval or a Golden Door for this type of programming. But now, so many hotels have partnerships with medical doctors, naturopaths, nutritionists, life coaches, and spiritual healers. Julie, you must be seeing a lot of this with your followers, right? Absolutely. You know, I think the biggest thing that I'm seeing is that travel is wellness, for a lot of people, I think pre-pandemic, they didn't even realize that travel itself was a way that they found to escape or to relax or to get away from, you know, the cares of everyday life. And when the pandemic hit and they couldn't travel, they realized, oh my gosh, that actually is my wellness. That is my therapy, so to speak. Um, and I certainly felt the same way myself. And I think just the fact that people can travel again is a form of wellness for them. And then I've also seen, you know, in terms of specific initiatives, there's everything from digital detox retreats. Again, people during the pandemic spent so much time on their phones or on watching TV or online because there was just nothing else to do. And there have been so many studies that have shown that that can lead to depression, anxiety, low self-esteem, all kinds of things. And so I think capturing on that theme, a lot of hotels or resorts or what have you are going down this road of digital detox retreats. You know, put your phone away, put your laptop away. We're just going to connect with the natural world for however many days or weeks. Arnie, what are you seeing on this front? Are you a wellness? I um, must be a key subject in your publication. 
It is. One thing that I've seen in a couple places, and we sent a reporter to experience what is probably the most advanced version of it, is that the wellness is not just limited to the stay. It starts before you come and it continues after you leave. And so the four seasons in Lanai in Hawaii, before you even go there for their program, you're sent some things that will do bio measurements and kind of get a sense of who you are before you go. You wear it throughout your stay there and you go through the various practices and they teach you things that they expect you to continue to do. And you can monitor yourself or they can monitor you even after you return. And there are some people who are more kind of in the tour operator space who will look at different cultures and their types of wellness practices. They'll get in touch if you have a trainer. They'll get in touch with your trainer before you even leave to start getting them to understand what it is you're about to do. And then also after you come back, they also contact the trainer and say, okay, this is where the person is now and this is where you can take them. So in terms of technology, what innovations have you experienced in travel which have been a positive move forward to establish that loyal connection with travellers, either through providing the ultimate experience, anticipating consumer needs or other, other methods? Yeah, I'm as a blogger and someone who uses social media heavily, for me, the technology and innovation side is all about social media. And I think that's played just such a big role in brands establishing connections with travelers or hotels establishing connections with guests. It makes brands more able to be responsive to their customers online, whether that's through customer service on Twitter, whether that's through replying to comments on Instagram or Facebook or TikTok or somewhere else. And it also allows them to gain insights about what people want from their brand by listening to what they're saying about them or in travel in general on social media. You know, what are people talking about? What are people sharing? What are people saying is great? And how can we incorporate that? And how can we capture that to make the guest experience better? So speaking of social media, how important for the travel industry has it been to embrace the influence of social media? And what role does it play in the consumer decision and loyalty. In your opinion, what makes a destination become a movement on social media and traditional media? And maybe Arnie has some ideas on this. I mean, I think social media giveth and social media taketh away from the the travel experience. And I mean, it's been a tremendous boon to marketers with the rise of influencers. And that can work really, really well as long as a travel company or destination vets the influencer to make sure they really do engage. But I will also say a lot of problems connected with over-tourism are driven by social media. And I'll give you an example. In 2009, only 500 people visited Trolltunga, which is a cliff in Norway, and it provides at its tip an amazing panorama of lakes and mountains. It is Instagram ready. So 2009, 500 people. 2014, thanks to social media posts, 40,000 people came to Trolltunga to take a picture. So no question social media works and just sometimes it works too well. What about you, Amy? I think social media, I, I love what Arnie said, it giveth and it taketh away. Yes. Um, it helps brands control the narrative. Everything looks happy and glamorous always. And it's important for them, particularly during the uh, pandemic, to showcase the property and all that it has to offer. Interiors, food and beverage, architectural details, that new cocktail, the inviting pool. It's also a really wonderful way to market new programming like the wellness initiatives we were just discussing. 
forest bathing in the mountains at Goldner Hirsch in Utah. Visuals drive decision-making. I love Francois Perret. He's the pastry chef at the Ritz. And his feed, he's always just photographing this amazing pastry with the stunning backdrop. And he makes me want to go back to that hotel again and again. So I think it drives travelers and it's inspirational and it's aspirational. So Julie, this is obviously quite a native space for you, right? Have you seen this work well? Are you seeing any interesting applications by hotel and hospitality brands of social media, be it TikTok, Instagram or whichever? Absolutely. It's been so important that the travel industry embrace social media. More and more people are making decisions about where to go, where to stay, what to do, what to see based on what they are viewing on platforms like Instagram and TikTok and Facebook and all of social media. And it's not just what the brands are showing them. I think it's also what their peers are showing them. It's also what influencers are showing them. And I think that that's been something that brands have done really well in terms of partnering with people like me, with influencers, where, for example, through my A Lady in London Instagram account, I might be showing people pictures of a destination, pictures of a hotel, pictures of what they can see and do there. I've personally received hundreds of messages, thousands of messages from people saying, you know, I went here because I saw this on your Instagram, or I have booked a trip here because I saw this on your Instagram, or I've changed my plans. I have, I've had people say, I, I was going to that destination, but now I've changed my plans to do X, Y, Z, because you put this on your Instagram or blog or Facebook, whatever I put it on. And so I've seen that firsthand. Absolutely. That's really interesting. You know, what's interesting is this sort of multifaceted digital touch points. So social media, of course, generally, but moving more towards video, but also increasingly messaging being used to create community or create loyalty. How do you see digital media's influence in particular video growing and changing? And how has the pandemic made digital messaging all the more important? Julie, what's your experience on this front? I see it getting bigger and more creative. More people are using video. It's becoming an increasingly important part of digital marketing. It's changing as well with more options for editing tools, filters. There's more memes. There's more challenges on TikTok in particular. And I think that is something that we're just going to keep seeing more and more of. I think the pandemic has made it more important because people didn't have the opportunity to do things themselves. They were relying on seeing others' content to travel vicariously, uh, to make their wish list, to really start planning, oh my gosh, I want to go there and I want to go there. And now I have this long list of places I want to go and things I want to do there. And now, you know, they're ready to do those things themselves. Fantastic. And Amy, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about this, given that the New York Times seems to have been expanding not only audio content, but also original documentary content. It feels like it's very much becoming a multimedia brand in terms of coverage of everything from lifestyle to politics and beyond. What's your sense of this in terms of travel? Absolutely. They are actually, the Times has been really clever in using TikTok for cooking because the cooking vertical has been so popular. Um, I love personally just seeing what chefs and bartenders are doing. I love seeing also the captures at ski resorts that I follow or hiking, surfing, horseback riding. I write for a lot of publications, not just the Times. And I think for all of them, it's so important to have a companion piece, if you can, where you've got this written story and then there's this whole digital component where it really brings all those words to life. As Julie said, I think the visual component of video and digital is huge and it just helps with the storytelling. 
So just thinking about the future of travel and accommodation and where that lies, like what are you seeing and what excites you? Um, Maybe Judy has some thoughts on this. I think in the short term, we're going to see a lot of people doing a lot of big trips, a lot of unique ones this year. And that really excites me because I love seeing people get off the beaten path and broaden their idea of what travel means. I also think we're going to see more in the way of people wanting to give back to travel sustainably, to really kind of focus on small businesses that have been hard hit by the pandemic and trying to help them out when they travel or do volunteerism projects where they're giving back to a local community. And I think that that's just going to be something that hopefully uh, keeps going even beyond the short to medium term. And Arnie, what about you in terms of travel and accommodation? I think Julie mentioned off the beaten path. I have come across some things that are really off the beaten path and are realistically being planned. There are realistic plans for a space hotel. This is in a company called Axiom, which is building a space station. It's it's happening. And they are reserving a room for a tourist in the space station. Jacques Cousteau's son, Jean-Michel, is likewise reserving space for accommodation in an underwater research station that he's planning. So there's a lot of trends that are sort of more general. There's a lot more of the outdoors being in terms of hotel design. They are trying to erase that wall between outdoor and indoor. That's a, a, a real trend I've been seeing. But I I like to just see some of these things, you kind of wonder how high the bar can go. Long ago, Bill Marriott said that every time the bar is raised by a hotel, that becomes the new table stakes. And he called it amenity creep, which he saw as a threat to keeping expenses in check. But I think today he'd probably agree that this continued reimagining of where travel can go, where accommodations can go, that's what makes the world of travel so exciting. Amy, what about you? I think I'm very much new places. I agree with what's been said. New places, appreciating under-the-radar spots, off-the-beaten-path, inhaling cultures that are different from your own, really taking a deep dive into those cultures. I think that we also very much, the future of travel is exploring without impacting the environment negatively and not leaving a huge carbon footprint. Absolutely. So actually, I'm going to turn to you for the final question on this discussion. Where are you traveling next and why? I'm going for a few days in Miami. Miami is where I'm from, and it's actually one of the most exciting cities in the world right now for so many reasons, but so many people moved down there during the pandemic, and the entire landscape has changed. Great restaurants opening, major food group uh, relocated down there. It's just so dynamic and incredibly diverse. So I'm going down there for a couple of days. Then I'm going to Europe for five weeks. First to Paris. Hopefully I'll see Francois Perret and eat some pastries. Then England for three weeks. And then I've got a week in Scotland doing some whiskey and just seeing all the things that are going on throughout that country. There's a lot of excitement in Scotland. Gosh, I want, I want Amy's life. That sounds great. <laughs> what about you, Arnie? I'm going tomorrow, actually, to Lake Tahoe to attend the Meaningful Travel Summit, which is being held by a nonprofit called Tourism Cares. It has a great agenda. This is a wonderful organization. I was on the board for 10 years. It's a travel industry organization as opposed to something that might be consumer focused, but they really do care and they really do work on things that are meaningful to the places that people go to. Kind of the more exciting place 
then I'll be going to not, not knocking Lake Tahoe. I'm going to the Azores Islands in July to go to the global summit of the Explorers Club. So I'm looking forward to that very much. Fantastic. And then Julie, what about you? Yeah, well, I'm already actually on a trip right now in San Francisco. So the next leg of it is going to be down to Big Sur, which is an area in California very famous for its coastline and natural beauty. Staying in a yurt and going hiking and uh, channeling my inner Californian at the beach. And I'm going with friends and we're just going to have a nice time and um, just enjoy the scenery. And then after that, obviously back to London, I've got a bunch of work trips coming up to places like France and Scotland and the Czech Republic. So it should be an action-packed summer. Fantastic. So with that, Arnie, Amy and Julie, thank you so much for sharing your thoughts for this Shaping Insights podcast. We are incredibly honoured to have heard your thoughts on the future of the travel industry. It's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you and thank you for joining us. We very much hope you enjoyed the Shaping Insights podcast presented by American Express. Don't do business without it. Mm